Africa. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I am James Butty in Washington. Today is Monday, September 19. And here are some of the stories we are covering. Zambia observes an official day of mourning for the state funeral of the late Queen Elizabeth II. She was a symbol of unity, a symbol of peace, a symbol of stability and continuity, a good example of what leadership service should look like. The war in Ukraine and global food security to dominate this year's UN General Assembly, which gets underway this week. Millions of Kenyans face starvation due to drought. There are calls for further investigation into the resignation for alleged corruption of a key advisor to DRC President Shisekedi. Nigerian university students call for shutdown for airports today to force resolution of a protracted lecturer strike. What you are saying is our campuses must be open. All else will shut down every system that we know that is beneficial to this country until our demands are made. And there appears to be a faked propaganda videos war in Liberia. The stories plus something O'Malley Sports are coming up on Daybreak Africa. The state funeral of Queen Elizabeth II is taking place today, Monday, at Westminster Abbey. Numerous heads of state and governments, including U.S. President Joe Biden, are expected to attend. The British government has declared today a national bank holiday. Zambia, a former British colony and member of the Commonwealth of Nations, has declared today State Funeral Day for the late Queen. Anthony Bualia is the spokesperson for Zambian President Hakain de Hichalema. He says the late Queen Elizabeth II was a symbol of unity, peace, stability, and continuity, all examples of good leadership that the government of President Hichalema aspires to. Bualia tells me that on today's National Day of Mourning, Zambians should join the world in remembering and appreciating the life of Queen Elizabeth II, despite the monarchy's conflicting relationship with Africa. Thank you very much, James. As obviously everybody does understand, the Queen, uh, Queen Elizabeth II, was um, a hugely important, not just in the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth, but the global community as a whole. She was a symbol of unity, a symbol of peace, a symbol of stability and continuity, a good example of what leadership of service should look like. And uh, that is um, obviously value system that the President and all of us aspire to, and we, we look to continuing to follow to our example as we continue to provide leadership for the people here at here in Zambia. The President has gone a step further, and um, in addition to having directed that all flags fly at half staff in the country ever since the passing of uh, Queen Elizabeth. Monday has also been declared a day of, uh, of national mourning, so that period of national mourning will be, will be observed across the country by all citizens here at home, as will be done in many parts of the world, as one would, would understand and imagine. So, Anthony, is this a national holiday? It's a day of national mourning, a day for all of us to reflect, recollect, and appreciate the work, the memories of uh, Queen Elizabeth II. I think fundamentally, that's the most important day. It is a day of national mourning as opposed to being a national holiday. There are those who say, why this? When, in fact, this brings back memory of uh, British colonialism over Zambia. 
Jesus, we cannot disregard the importance of history. There are so many things that have happened in many parts of the world over the course of our respective long histories. We have a responsibility and a duty to learn from that history, uh, the, remember the atrocities, but at the same time appreciate the, um, the good work of those who have gone before us. And uh, I think it is, it is in good order for us to focus on the positives of what was a life of service and dedication to duty by Queen Elizabeth, not just in the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth, but throughout the entire world. I think that's what the focus should be uh, right now. Anthony, thank you so much uh, for taking time to talk with us. We do appreciate it. Thank you very much, and thank you for having us. Anthony Bualia is the spokesperson for Zambian President Hakainde Hichalema. You are speaking with us from the capital, Lusaka. This year's gathering of world leaders at the United Nations General Assembly is taking place in the shadow of Queen Elizabeth II's funeral and as the war in Ukraine heads into a possibly decisive period. VOA United Nations correspondent Margaret Bashir has more. Queen Elizabeth's funeral on September 19th has presented logistical challenges for leaders attending the 77th session of the United Nations General Assembly. Some speeches and meetings may have to be shuffled as they dash from London to New York. This year's meeting takes place at a time of great peril, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres says. Our world is blighted by war, battered by climate chaos, scared by hate, and shamed by poverty, hunger, and inequality. Russia's war in Ukraine, which may be at a militarily decisive moment, is certain to dominate the annual meetings. The UN Security Council will meet Thursday at the foreign minister's level to discuss developments. Western officials, meanwhile, want to firm up support from some countries that may be wavering as the war grinds on. Richard Gowan is the UN director for the International Crisis Group. Many African and Asian countries have security relationships with Russia or economic relationships with Russia. And while they were willing to criticize the invasion back in March, they don't want to keep on picking fights with Moscow at the UN. But with Russian President Vladimir Putin not attending the annual gathering, he rarely does, and Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's participation uncertain, no breakthrough is expected. Russia and Ukraine are important food producers, and their war has worsened a global food crisis. Supply chain disruptions and rising food prices are exacerbating the situation in the Horn of Africa, which is suffering its worst drought in 40 years. As many as 20 million people are at risk of severe hunger, and famine is looming for nearly 8 million people in Somalia. Abdurrahman Abdushakur is Somalia's special envoy for drought response. The famine is real and it's happening. President Joe Biden is expected to lead a high-level meeting on global food security, one of several sessions to tackle the issue. This is the first time that leaders will participate fully in person at the General Assembly since 2020, the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, which has moved from the spotlight as leaders grapple with more pressing issues. Margaret Bashir, VOA News, United Nations. 
A former presidential candidate in the Democratic Republic of Congo says the resignation of Vidya Shimanga, a leading advisor to President Felix Tshisekedi, should not prevent the country's justice ministry from investigating Shimanga to determine whether there is a clear case of bribery. The Organized Crime and Corruption Reporting Project a non-profit media organization reported last week that Shimanga resigned after a video that surfaced on social media showed him meeting with people posing as mineral investors from Hong Kong. Shimanga has denied any misconduct. Noel Siani, leader of the Force of Change political grouping, tells me that the Justice Ministry should investigate Shimanga because his alleged confession video appears to implicate the president. Indeed, the special advisor to the president, Mr. Vidye Chimanga, resigned after allegation that he got into bribery schemes with some potential investor whereby he was caught on tape, videotaped, promising to uh, give all the financial favors in the mining sector to those potential advisors in exchange to 20% equity stake either in the companies or cash payment to be deposited in bank account in offshore banking center and he mentioned Mauritius. We have almost a similar corruption case in another African country recently. The question is, um, did this official resign on his own, or did President Chisekedi ask him to do so, or did President Chisekedi fire him? Nobody from the president's office has uh, reacted, but himself, he, I think that he felt under pressure from the public opinion to resign, so he ended his resignation. Not one single word came out of the presidency. So the fact that the official Mr. Shimanga resigned, is that the end of the allegations or what is the government going to do about it? After Mr. Chimanga resigned, it is not clear whether he's off the hook or if the justice system is going to go after him. My personal thinking is that this should not stop the Justice Department to at least interrogate him and determine if there is a case for clear bribery as it appears in these videos. So let's wait and see, but, but I doubt that this resignation is going to stop the justice system if there is any justice in this country to f go after him to try to get more information because some of the things that he has said in his videos are just outrageous. For example, telling these investors that he's going to personally guarantee the security of their investment and that he says that he, Chimanga, is the president's voice, kind of implicating the president. Noel Shiani is the leader of the Forces of Change political grouping in the DRC and a former presidential candidate. He was speaking with us from the capital, Kinshasa. You are listening to Daybreak Africa on the Voice of America. I am James Butt in Washington. Today is Monday, September 19. Still to come on our program, Samson O'Malley's Pause.
More than 4 million people are affected by drought in Kenya following lack of rain in the northeastern parts of the country. According to Kenya's Drought Management Authority, this is the worst drought in the last 40 years. Health officials are warning about an upsurge in cases of malnutrition and underdeveloped children below the age of five in the affected areas. Maureen Ojiambo reports. Drought in northern parts of Kenya has caused serious malnutrition with wells drying up as residents are forced to walk long distances in search of water. Leaders from northern frontier counties are calling for urgent intervention in the prevailing drought, which they say is alarming. Ali Mahmoud is the governor of Marsabit County. All the 10 frontier counties development council counties are in the emergency drought stage and we are afraid millions of livestock are facing starvation and therefore possibly will all perish. There is serious malnutrition rates across the counties and cases of pregnant and lactating mothers malnourished and in urgent need of treatment and nutritional support. The severe drought is affecting wildlife, livestock and people as many are fleeing their homes in search for food and water. Women and children are among the hardest hit. Mohamud is asking for the national government and other development partners to intervene. People are trekking many, many kilometers, on average 30 kilometers, to look for water. The boreholes are frequently breaking down. The cost of repair, water tracking is a big issue for the counties in northern Kenya. We appeal to well-wishers as we thank those other NGOs and partners who have been supporting in one way or the other, but because of the extent of the situation, we need these interventions to be upscaled and uh, the situation is getting out of hand. A new report by the United in Science report released last week in collaboration with the World Meteorological Organization warns that the impacts of climate change are set to worsen if countries fail to act. The report say without ambitious action, the physical and socioeconomic impacts of climate change will be increasingly devastating. And the United Nations say the most vulnerable population will suffer the most, with the extreme weather conditions being experienced in different parts of the world. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres says floods, drought, heat waves, extreme storms are moving from bad to worse, breaking records at an alarming rate. Reporting for VOS Daybreak Africa, I am Moreno Jumbo in Nairobi, Kenya. The National Association of Nigerian Students, NAS, says it plans to stop operations at all international airports in the country beginning today, Monday, to force the federal government of Nigeria to resolve the ongoing National University Lecturer Strike. The lecturers, under the umbrella of the Academic Staff Union of Universities, ASU, have been on strike since February this year over salary disparities. Omar Farouk Lawa is the member of NAS at Bayero University in Kano State. He tells me that the students want the public to experience the same hardship that students have been experiencing by staying at home without education. We have started the protest last week from the southwest. We have blocked all the federal rules and up to now there is no answer from the federal government and the ASU. In fact, ASU, ASU at the federal government to court that our students cannot stay at home for more than eight months or seven months plus, getting to eight months up till now, no any response from the government, neither from the ASU. 
because when two elephants fight, the grass is suffer. And as a matter of urgency, some of my elephants in the southwest threatened yesterday that they want to shut down uh, Musla, Muhammad Airport in Lagos, and Abuja Airport. And I told them that from, for peace, I will start with one airport, which is Lagos. We are going to shut down Lagos Airport tomorrow, by God's grace. That's our plan. So how would that solve the problem? Yes, why we want to shut down the airport? We, after blocking the route for more than four days, there's no response from the government and from the ASU. And uh, we think the elites are not answering our cry. Our parents are not answering our rights. Our lecturers are not answering our rights. So we want to block both the airport and the petrol highway. Now, that's a form of protest, but do you have permission to do that? Yes, uh, as a matter of fact, National Association of Nigeria Students, now it's a pressure group. Our demand is clear. We don't want to know what the federal government are discussing with us. We don't want to know what ASU are discussing with federal government. All we want to know is that they should settle ASU and federal government, they should settle themselves and open our campuses so that our students can go back to their campuses and read their books. Permission or no permission. We have been crying. We have led the outgoing president of Nelson the support and led a protest to the Ministry of Education. To the extent he met the Ministry of Education and the Minister of, Minister of Education worked out for him. And now presently, we are not happy. We cannot go to 2023 elections without our students being brought to their campuses. By 28th of this month, all political parties should start their campaign. And when they start their campaign, I don't think they will look at NAS. I don't think they will look at Nigerian students. I don't think they will look at the normal masses that are, are going to schools in their own capacity. I don't think they will look at it. What we are saying is our campuses must be open, or else we will shut down every system that we know that is beneficial to this country until our demands are made. Omar Farouk Lawa is a member of the National Association of Nigerian Students at Bayero University. He was speaking with us from Kano State. The leader of the opposition Alternative National Congress Party of Liberia and possible presidential candidate in the country's 2023 elections, Alexander Cummings, says he's not behind the release last week of a social media video accusing President George Weah of involvement in a plot to help him win the 2023 elections. The fake broadcaster in the video accused President Weah of having a militia in southeastern Liberia to help him win next year's vote. A second video released over the weekend accused Cummings of creating the first faked video and paying lobbyists in Washington, D.C. to tarnish the WIA government. The fake videos are surfacing weeks after the U.S. government sanctioned three senior Liberian government officials for alleged corruption. Liberian government officials were not available immediately to comment. But local media quotes a statement by Justice Minister Musa Dean condemning the release of the first video. Alexander Cummings tells me that he believes both videos are part of the WIA government's effort to divert attention from the corruption allegations in Liberia. I do believe even the original video was orchestrated by this government and the immediate quote-unquote counter video also orchestrated by them to divert attention from what was happening in our country, to shift blame to me because they view me as the primary opposition. The reality is... Our president is not leading. Three of his senior officials were sanctioned by the U.S. government. He promised an investigation, 
we are going to hold him to that. We want to know what the outcome of that investigation is so that these officials can be prosecuted if warranted. And you and I know that the United States government would not make these accusations, would not sanction these individuals unless they have proof. So, Mr. Cummings, the original video in which it is alleged that the WIA government had set up a militia somewhere in the southeast for the purpose of helping him to win, you are saying that it could be the government itself that has produced that video. Is that correct? I believe it's possible, and we should not rule that out. And by the way, I don't believe the government has denied the allegations. All they have done is accuse the opposition, in this case me, of putting the video out. But again, let me be emphatic that we did not put out that video. And what I'm saying to you that it is possible that it's all part of the propaganda to put out that video so that I'm blaming and then issue a counter video uh, against me. And so what's your own reaction, therefore, to the video against you that has been released? We don't know who released that video, but it is making accusations against you. What's your own reaction? I believe, certainly, the video against me is, has been issued by the government, by President Weir and his political operatives. And everything in there is baseless, is untrue. I did not bring sanctions against President Weir and his government and his ministers. Alexander Cummins is the leader of the opposition Alternative National Congress Party of Liberia. You are speaking with us from the Liberian capital, Monrovia. It's time now for Daybreak Africa Sports. And here is something O'Malley in Abuja, Nigeria. A very good Monday morning to you, something. Good Monday morning to you too, James, who begin the sports with rugby. The South African men national rugby team, the Springboks, kept their rugby championship title hopes alive with a hard-fought 36-20 bonus point win over Argentina on Saturday. The Springboks led 22-6 at halftime. The size will do duty once again at the Hollywood Bets Kings Park next Saturday, the 24th of September. Elif Kipchoge, the only man to have run the marathon distance in under two hours, has played down his chances of breaking that barrier in the Berlin Marathon next Sunday. The Kenyan is a hot favorite to win in the German capital and the famously fast Berlin course has sparked speculation that the 37-year-old Kipchoge will attempt to dip under the two-hour barrier in a normal race. To do so, he will have to compete without the teams of pacemakers and laser guidance that aided him when he made history in the tailor-made record attempt in Vienna in 2019. Staying with athletics, World Athletics has quietly entered into an agreement to lend $2 million to Diamond League AG. The agreement was disclosed in the small print of the recently published World Athletics 2021 financial report. While the reason for the loan is not disclosed, the schedule of payment is... The loan is payable in two installments as of end of March 2023 and 2024. It is to be fully reimbursed to World Athletics by end of June 2025. Away from athletics, former Nigerian junior international Oji Okonkwo has had his four-year ban for a doping violation by the Italian National Anti-Doping Tribunal extended worldwide by World Football Governing Body, FIFA. A statement by Ademola Olajire, Director of Communications at the Nigerian Football Federation, on Saturday said FIFA's verdict was contained in its ruling on the case for worldwide extension of the ban brought before it by the Italian NADO. Chairperson of the FIFA Disciplinary Committee, George Ivan Palacio, 
affirmed that the player had been cited properly and that the decision complies with the regulations of FIFA. He said extending the sanctions does not conflict with public order or with accepted standards of behavior. The four-year ban on the player is between February 25th and February 24th, 2026. In Beach Soccer News, the draws for the Beach Soccer Africa Cup of Nations Mozambique 2022, scheduled for the 21st to the 28th of October, were held in the Mozambican capital, Maputo, on Friday. In accordance with the draw procedure, host Mozambique was placed in Group A. They are joined by Malawi, who will be taking part in their first Beach Soccer Afghan, Nigeria, who were bronze medalists in 2015 and finalists in 2016 and 2018, and Morocco, regular participants in the finals and bronze medalists in the last edition. In Group B, Senegal, defending champion, will share the stage with Uganda. Madagascar, winner of the tournament organized in 2015 in the Seychelles, and also Egypt, bronze medalist in 2016 and 2018. And that's it for this Monday morning's edition of Daybreak Africa Sports. I am Samson Omale in Abuja, Nigeria. It's back to you, James, in Washington. Thank you, Samson, and have a good Monday. And that's it for this Monday, September 19th edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for beginning your week with us. On behalf of the Daybreak Africa crew, I am James Butter in Washington, wishing you will have a great week.